Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Good day. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent. I am, of course, Marcelino on show 63. We're going to start here in just a little bit on our main topic for the day, which is start now on your 2022 tax return before it's too late and why this is so important. I really encourage you if you have questions about any of my tax planning, tax resolution, or other year-round services that are offered by myself and Cash Tracks Financial, visit me at cashtracksfinancial.com, email success at cashtracksfinancial.com, or give me a call at 844-394-4287. Be happy to answer your questions and have a video conference or a telephone call, whatever you would like, so we can definitely help you to pay as little tax as possible. Now we're going to jump right into the topic of today, which is start now on your 2022 tax return before it's too late. Now, why would I sit here and bring this out? We're at the beginning of December when this is uh, recording. And so are you ready for 2022 tax changes? Well, just consider some of the areas of note that have occurred during 2022. Some IRS notes here. For example, many have heard about the 30 million unprocessed 2020 informational returns that were destroyed by the IRS, found by the Inspector General. And generally, this means that's 1099s and perhaps W-2s, a lot of information that was just gone. So hopefully, as I always encourage my clients when I work with them, you have copies because the IRS doesn't have a copy. So be ready you may need to have those, provide those to the IRS, regardless of what they say. I always encourage, be ready, have your copies so that you can always address any potential issues with the IRS. Also, keep in mind that just recently, some of the additions that's been happening with the IRS, the Small Business slash Self-Employment Division is hiring 470 new revenue agents specializing in auditing both small individual and business taxpayers. So there could be some wrapping up of audits, and especially that can happen with those who file a Schedule C as a sole proprietor. Those tend to have a higher audit rate than S-Corps, C-Corps, and most of your entities. So just be aware of that and make sure you're keeping, once again, good books and records, as I have talked about a number of times on this podcast over the last couple of years. So just be ready. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but just always keep good records and make good notations. And always, as I've talked to you constantly, use a tax professional when preparing your tax return. Now, also keep in mind, those are some IRS notes, but it's just the end of 2022 coming up here. So you got, it may not exactly be on your mind because you have other thoughts, perhaps other more important issues, but you do start, start to need to think about taxes. And your tax filing, are your documents organized? Are you getting them organized? Are you organized for the year? Of course, some of your documents you probably haven't received yet, but especially if you're self-employed or in business, boy, you need to be getting organized now. 
Now, if you visit CashTracksFinancial.com in our client resources section, there's a very handy checklist to help you get organized. It's a free download. You don't have to put in a name or get an email address or whatever, but you can just and download any of the documents from that file at that time. However, if you do want to sign up for our free, and it's a free client newsletter that we have comes out each and every month. We don't spam you or anything. We just send it to you. If you sign up for that, you'll get our free uh, newsletter each month, as well as you can also sign up for the weekly tax tip. Once again, sent out to you for free. And you can get this at cashtracksfinancial.com. Just sign up for the newsletter. Also, whether you're talking to us or talking to your professional, get an in-person to just meet, just kind of see how where things are for you. With us, I do both telephone and video conferences with individuals or business owners to help them to be able to get better organized. Now, it's also definitely re recommended that you have some type of record-keeping system, whether you're old school, being it on paper and having it uh, neatly organized at least by month, preferably by category, is how I would recommend it. Once again, in our client resources, you can get a familiar with what some of those categories would be to help you get organized. You can also do it electronically. So make sure you do that. Now, you want to do this on an individual basis. Maybe you've changed jobs during the year. Well, verify that your employers, former employers, banks, or other perhaps payers, make sure they all have a correct mailing address. And actually, the time to do that is absolutely right now, uh, before the end of the year. That way, as they prepare any informational returns for you, your W-2s, uh, 1099s, whatever you could possibly be expecting, or if you took a distribution from some type of retirement plan, getting the 1099R, making sure you get that in a timely manner. So make sure all of that is up to date because if you want to get filing as soon as uh, the electronic filing works out, all of those addresses need to be current so that you don't have any delays in receiving your documentation. Another area to consider also is are you having any uh, life changes? Well, what do we mean by life changes? Of course, did you get married during the year or perhaps divorced? Was there a new child? Did you take on a second job? Each of these areas affects your, your taxes. Now, do not think, well, I got married in the second half of the year, or I'm getting married in December, I'm, I'm still single for most of the year. Wrong. What the actual law is in regards to marriage and divorce is what is your status at the end of the year? So if you got married on December 31st, you're considered married for the whole year. So you got to be thinking about planning your taxes accordingly. Now you still can do married filing separately for the year. And that, that may be the best option for you. I don't know, but you need to talk to your tax professional about that. If you had a new child during the year, got to make sure you're planning appropriately there as well. If you took on a second job, did you do your W-4 in a manner that uh, 
make sure there's proper withholding. So all of these are items to stop and take a look at right now so that when tax time does come around, you don't have any surprises. So definitely I recommend getting with your tax professional or if you need one and you're looking for one, we're certainly available to have a meeting to go over that information. You can upload the documents to our portal so that we can be sure to help you to make any adjustments or be ready for what the possibilities are for uh, the taxes or potential refunds, because there's a lot of changes I'm going to talk about in a little bit uh, in regards to how things are so different for 2021 as compared to what you're going to have or possibly receive in 2022. Also this time, a withholding review, as I mentioned, is very important if you're in small business and you have your own business. Uh, need to possibly take a look at, because I'm getting ready to have some appointments with individuals to take a look at how perhaps this last quarter of the year has gone. Uh, is an estimated tax payment necessary, both federal and state taxes? Because those are due on January 15th. So it's good to take a look at that now before the end of the year. That way, if you can make those payments or need to make those payments, you can definitely plan to do so. While at the same time, I'm encouraging ones and even the IRS has put out some notices about this, about various tax scams. Yes, there's scams. They just keep coming up with new ideas. This uh, The gift card one is going around once again. So don't ever take a call from the IRS and they're saying, well, send us a gift card. Uh, like maybe a Visa, one of those Visa gift cards, you go down to your local store, pay $2.95 for whatever, and then you put on whatever, 20, 30, 400 bucks, whatever the amount is. Don't do that. The IRS does not accept gift cards. So be watch, watching out for those kind of scams. Anybody wanting you to pay via gift card, just don't do it. Also, another area to look at is sometimes there's some confusion about what is a tax home or what is your tax home? There's been court cases with the tax court regarding this where ones have lost because of not accurately calculating their tax home. So what is a tax home? In general, your tax home is the regular place of business or duty post, basically where you work, which includes the entire city or general area where your business is located or where you drive to do business is your tax home. Now, this can really uh, make some people a little crazy because they can live like, uh, for example, in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, but work up in the Denver area. Well, they may be physically living or the residents may be in Colorado Springs, but their tax home would actually be like Denver because that's where their regular place of business or their regular work occurs. Now, for some individuals, especially self-employed individuals, their main place of business could actually be their home. Well, why would that be the case? Well, when you have a qualified home office, and I've talked about home offices on a previous uh, podcast, well, if you have a spot in your home, which many people perhaps in construction sales, even some tax professionals have an office that is exclusively used for business purposes. And when you have a place that is exclusively used for business purposes and have an office in the home, very well, your regular place of business could very well be your home. 
And to make sure you qualify for this, to have your family residence as your tax home, there are some factors you need to consider. And indeed, you need to consult once again with a tax professional about that to get the most accurate information so that indeed you are able to have that your home as your tax home and see if you actually do qualify. A question that comes up quite a bit during tax season and even off tax season I get is, well, how long should I keep copies of my tax returns and my record? Well, in general, I recommend at least a minimum of four years. And that is because, well, you got a three-year statute with the IRS for most returns. But most states are about a year behind that. So that's why I always say, let's let's keep a year there. So that gives you four years. That's at, at least the minimum. Now, there are some exceptions where it's actually a good idea to keep tax records for multiple years and even for, we'll say, 10 or 20 years. And what would those reasons be? One is that if you had a large uh, net operating loss that you're carrying forward to additional years, well, you would want to have records of that net operating loss until it is completely used up. And then even three years beyond that, that way, you're beyond the IRS uh, review period. So net operating loss is one reason why you would want to definitely keep tax records for much longer than uh, three years. Some people say at least seven, uh, but usually about three to four is pretty good. Like I say, unless you have a net operating loss or another possibility as to why you would want to keep your tax records for a longer period of time would be if you have a long-term capital capital loss. Say if you lost tens of thousands of dollars in the market, but you don't have a capital gain or a long-term capital gain to offset that. Well, according to current rules, you're limited to $3,000 per year that you can carry forward. And your capital loss would carry forward until that capital loss is gone. Or unless you have some type of offset for a long-term capital gain. And so as long as you're carrying forward that capital loss, you want to make sure that you keep the records of, I would recommend keeping it all the way back to the beginning and every tax return up until that capital loss is used up. And even then, three years beyond that to get beyond the IRS statute. So that's the other reason why you would want to definitely keep records for a much longer period of time is if you have a long-term capital loss that you are constantly carrying forward. Sadly, another area we see is that there are still, still some people waiting for their returns for either 2021 and 2022. Latest figures I received is that as of November 11th, 3.7 million returns were still unprocessed by the IRS. These are individual tax returns. These include 2 million returns that were paper filed and 900,000 unprocessed amended returns. And some of these can still take another 20 weeks. So we're talking another five months there probably. So unfortunately, if you had to file an amended return for 2021, you could still be, still be waiting for it. In fact, I know of some 
uh, of my clients that we filed like back in May of 2022, an amended return, and they're still waiting for that check. So while ones can use, you can keep, you can just keep checking information. I would recommend at this point, not doing, they updated it daily, but just due to how far they're behind, I would recommend not doing it more than once a week. Cause you can really just drive yourself crazy. If you're going to, where's my refund on irs.gov or where's my amended return. You can use both to check them, but with the way the IRS is running, I recommend right now, no more than once a week. Because if there's any changes, you'll definitely see them with, within a week. It'd be a, even though it does update daily, but once a week would certainly suffice and certainly allow you to be able to keep up with it there. And then once you see an ch- actual change on it, then maybe you can start doing it every day. So what have we learned over the past uh, couple years when it comes to filing our tax returns? One is definitely... If at all possible, you want to make sure you are filing your tax returns electronically. That gets you the fastest processing times and also alleviates from some of this processes where you have unprocessed paper filed tax returns. Now, sadly, there are situations where ones do have to file on paper, maybe because over dependent situations, uh, maybe someone uh, filed for a dependent or a child on a tax return that they weren't supposed to file for or claim, which is really sad when they do, which forces uh, in divorced parent situations, one perhaps to have to file on paper to get it fixed. Now, there are situations where in ways that you can actually uh, help prevent that, of course, file as soon as you possibly can, like the day electronic filing opens. If you have uh, all your paperwork, your W-2s by that time, which we, as of this recording, we don't have that date yet. And we probably won't actually learn it until either later in December or possibly early in January, but it could be a little earlier this year because there's not a lot of uh, significant last minute changes yet, I guess I should say, uh, by Congress in anything with the IRS. So we can see what whatever happens between now and the end of the year, uh, there still could be, but right now there's not really any big anticipated changes. Now, another reminder I like to put out here is that if you have health insurance through the marketplace, whatever the exchange is in your state, make sure that you have all the information updated with them as far as your income so that they calculate your premium tax credit correctly. And then keep an eye out on your account. Uh, You can probably download it, I'm guessing, from most of the exchanges your 1095a make sure you have that before filing it's going to be absolutely essential for you to be able to get the proper amount of premium tax credit which depending on your income uh, you may actually get a little bit more so just make sure you have that uh, that form once again that's the 1095a for insurance on the marketplace so that again you get everything that you do deserve or can qualify for through the exchange. Now, some key updates we're going to remind you of today in regards to keeping in mind for 2022, because there's several things that are changed and several areas that are not good 
for taxpayers, if you're the taxpayer. Now, one area I'm, I'm going to mention here, very positive right off the bat, is that if you're on Social Security, it's you're actually getting a good raise. 8.7% is the cost of living increase going into 2023, which is the highest in decades. So keep that in mind. That's a good thing. But yet, is that really going to help with other situations? I don't know. I don't know your situation, but everybody just that's that that's a good that's a good news. Now, now some unhappy news. Did how many people realize they thought the American Rescue Plan was really, really fantastic when it was passed in 2021? Well, there was a little provision in that that made a major change for taxpayers across the spectrum. And what that is is that it you sell items on eBay or Etsy or Mercari or one of those areas online. Do you sell stuff? Do you have third-party payment processors that you're using? Payment apps such as Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, PayPal, any of those. Well, there's a provision in the American Rescue Plan that majorly changed how reporting is done. And what that is, is that if you sell one item that's over $600 or several items that add up to more than $600. Guess what? You're going to get a 1099K from your processor. And for many, that's going to be a first time occurrence. Now, you could just be selling personal items. You may not necessarily be in business, but that 1099K form, which you could be receiving, indicates that you are in business. Maybe you just have a hobby. Maybe you're just getting rid of some personal items. Who knows? But be aware, if you get that 1099K, you better bring it with your tax information. And that's one of the areas that in this office, as I talk to people, whether they're online or as they come in physically, it's going to say, Did, have you sold any items, products, or services online? And, and of course, if they say yes, then the next question is, have you sold more than $600? And many people are going to just really be caught off guard by this because what's going to happen is the same thing that happens every year is that many are going to file, get their W-2s or 1099-Rs or whatever they're having, their 1095s for their health insurance come in and they're going to file. And then two weeks later, guess what? A 1099-K shows up and they're going to be like, well, what do I do with this? Well, guess what? Then we have to file an amended return to make sure that gets addressed. And we also have to address whether you're actually in business or if you're just a hobby or if it's just personal items, what, whatever it is, it has to be addressed because what's going to happen is that the IRS goes and matches later on. And when that happens, you could end up getting an underreporting penalty for income from the IRS. So that's something just to be on the lookout for. So yes, if you have sold on through Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, PayPal, any of those services, you're going to get a 1099 from them for this year. So just be aware of it and be watchful. And perhaps if you have, you may have to wait to get that 1099K. So just be aware of it. If you're an educator, qualified educator, well, 
You get the above the line deduction that actually goes from 250 to 300 for 2022. That is uh, another little bit good news. It helps with the taxes a little bit, but it's good for our educators. Now, think about this. Many people last year, because of the American Rescue Plan, got larger than expected refunds. But this year, for 2022, there has not been any stimulus payments at all. There is not a recovery rebate credit. Uh, and there's going to be a few other items I'm going to mention here in just a little bit. So just be thinking, you're not going to get, basically, there's not going to be a bigger refund. So you may, so if you get a smaller refund than you got in 2021 for the 2021 tax return, be aware, this is why. All of these items for 2021 expired. Now think about these other areas here. Uh, the child tax credit is only $2,000 for children 16 and under. That's huge. That's all that is. And only 1,500 of that is refundable. So yes, a big change. So if you have however many kids you have, it's only 2,000, not 3,000 like it was in 2021. And only 1,500 is refundable. So just keep that little point in mind as you move forward, because also those advanced child tax credit payments that was in 2021 received from July through December, those, those, those obviously didn't happen in 2022 either. So be aware the refund is going to be smaller in many cases for one. Another area, the child and dependent care credit is dropping significantly. It's only 3,000 for one, a maximum of 3,000 for one, or 6,000 for more than one. Now, a huge difference from 2021 to 2022 is that this credit is non-refundable. Basically, it reverts back to what it was in 2020. So keep that in mind as well, is that if you can definitely take this credit on your tax return, but you have to have tax to be able to get anything back for it. So this could also affect your tax refund so that it is so that it would be less than what you had anticipated or what you may be thinking it could possibly be. So these are adjustments. Talk to your tax professional about them. And we're always available to discuss this as well. Another area that's still with us is the state and local tax limit of $10,000 on what ones can deduct for state and local taxes uh, on their itemized deductions on the tax return. This is significant. There's a lot of high tax states that uh, challenged the constitutionality of this, but the Supreme Court said, nope, we're not going to hear this case. So that is still with us. Charities, are you making donations to charities? Do you have a charitable deduction that you're taking? Well, of course, we think about in 2020 and 2021, there was actually an above-the-line deduction of $300 uh, for an individual in 2021 and $600 for uh, married couples. This year, guess what? You don't get a deduction for charitable deductions unless you qualify to itemize. Now, some area that happens with that, though, you think about is the fact that some states, and I know Colorado is one of them, will actually still give you a deduction for charitable donations. Um, if you have donated like about $500, they give you whatever is above that $500 threshold if you did not itemize on your tax return. So make sure 
the state level is checked uh, because you can still get that uh, charitable donation at your state level possibly. And that does vary again from state to state. If you are making donations to charity, one thing I always tell people is do not give cash. Because if you give cash, you have to have some type of receipt for that donation. And you have to ask the charity to give it. So when you're putting cash into into whatever, like into a donation pile or a donation can, whatever it is, be aware that is that is free money. You're that's free. You don't get any deduction for that. Now, I always instruct ones make sure you write a check or use a credit card to make such a donation because that creates a record. Essentially, that creates a receipt. Now, if you do have a donation of over $250 in one day, you do need to have some type of acknowledgement letter from the charity. And I recommend getting that right away if you want to plan on deducting it or you're going to be able to deduct on your tax return. Now, that is an area where ones have had huge problems, big problems. Uh, once again, at tax court, they ended up at tax court. They they took these huge charitable deductions, but they did not have this acknowledgement letter from the charity that also states no goods and services were received for this donation. So yes, make sure you have that. Now, I always recommend or highly recommend, I should say, if you're going to give something to a charity uh, or for a nonprofit, just give cash. It is the easiest to support, the easiest to do. You get the letter of acknowledgement, the easiest to establish the value. Now, some individuals like to give some type of uh, non-cash gift, uh, property, uh, uh, collectibles, could be just about anything you name. Now, the problem with these is that the value, what is the value of these? What is the deductible values of these? Yeah, the charity can give you, well, we're going to give you $5,000, whatever credit or amount of donation for this. But is that going to hold up in an audit? Well, if you're going to give something of significant value to a charity, it is highly recommended that you have some type of appraisal completed for that property. So that you can have that written documentation once again to support this is the value of the donation that I made. Here's the market value of this donation so that you can maintain the deduction upon audit with the tax return. So keep that in mind. If you're thinking about audit, uh, donating something before the end of the year, make, just, just do cash. But if you do something that's non-cash, of course, there's an additional form that goes with the tax return if you're itemizing. And then, of course, have that appraisal and put that with your tax documents so that you are able to take that full deduction upon audit. Are you a shareholder of an S corporation? Well, you're supposed to be keeping track of your basis. And in most cases, uh, your tax professional that you're using is helping to track that basis because it's not tracked at the at the entity level. The S corp doesn't keep track of your basis. Many people think that the S corp does. No, the S corp really is not required to track your basis in that corporation. You need to do it. And you would be wise to ask about your tax professional. Are they helping you to do that? Now, the IRS is kind of forcing the issue here. There's a form when you uh, have an S corp and you're filing your K-1 on your Schedule E on your tax return, there's a new form. It's a 7203 
that must be filed with the tax return when you're claiming a loss, a loan repayment, a stock sale, or a distribution. And basically, that's a form showing that you have basis to be able to do all those that I just listed there. And you need to make sure that if you do have that, that your tax professional is doing that and even you ask. I mean, because when I pull those out, review those with a tax uh, client that I have, I say, okay, look here, here's, here's your tax return. We review it. Also, here's your form 7203 that go, that's applicable with your tax return. And that's especially if there's a loss or a distribution that they take. If you've been in business, we think we really love the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because many people talk about other areas of that particular bill. But one of the great areas of that bill was for business. It was such a business-friendly bill. It's talked, it just doesn't get the proper recognition is that more businesses can use the cash basis of accounting, which just makes it so much easier for small business. And that is if the annual revenues, in this case, we're looking at 2019 through 2021, if those annual revenues of the business are under 26 million Business can use the cash basis of accounting, which covers vast majority of businesses throughout the country. And I know a lot of different professionals do a lot of different things, but I'm a big I'm a big fan of using the cash basis of accounting. It just makes everything so simple for for my business clients and actually for me as a tax professional and taking care of them from a tax basis. It just makes it easier. So if ones can do that, definitely do that. Now, if you do have a business that has inventory. You still need to do some accrual with with that inventory by law, but that's a little bit separate, but still needs to be done. But overall, if you're just doing services or a non-inventory type of business, just uh, stick with the cash basis. You don't need to get too fancy using accrual. Uh, I know some, ta- some tax professionals and even some accountants like prefer people using accrual, but I, as a tax professional really encourage ones to use cash basis. It's It just makes it simpler overall. If you're a business owner and you have employees, well, I just want to keep in mind and I want to remind you that worker classification is a huge issue with the IRS. You have to be able to classify your workers correctly. So make sure you do. Are they employees or are they independent contractors? I did a whole podcast on this Again, reminding employers that don't try to get out of the employment taxes by trying to pay your employees as independent contractors because it can really come back and harm you. And one of the areas I've really seen in this is at the degree of work controlled. How much do you as the employer control the work? If you provide complete directions on how they do the work, if you uh, complete, just gave complete direction, you set the hours, you set when they start, when they stop, when they go home, all of that, they could be classified as an employee. Uh, has the individual, how much have they invested into the business? Are they use, Are they going to your place of business all the time? Are they using your equipment? All of these, they could be classified as an employee also, can you fire them at will? These are just this is just a small little little tidbit of it. And a warning I always put out to employers here is that it's more likely that a state department of labor will catch you than the IRS will. But if the state department of labor 
does catch you, it gives you a nice, uh, when they reclassify, you do have to go back and report it with the IRS. And that can actually be a benefit because if you voluntarily, it becomes a voluntary situation with the IRS, the, the penalties and the stuff can actually be reduced and can actually make it a little bit easier for you to deal with that. So make sure that all employees are then classified correctly. Gift tax exclusion is $16,000 for the year. So certainly if you have uh, some gifts you want to give, $16,000. Now that's important because you don't have to file a gift tax return when you gift that amount out to each individual. Like you have a married couple gifting to another, like their kids, while they each of them can give 16 without having to file a tax return. So essentially they can give like 32,000, but it has to come from each of them separately. It has to be a separately written check as well. That's what I always recommend in doing that. Now we consider that we have a hundred percent meal deduction. Yes. This is the last year for a hundred percent meal deduction for 2022 and then it then it drops back down going into 2023. So if you've been tracking those certain meals qualify for this 100% deduction, so hopefully you're certain you've been tracking that correctly through the year. Now, if you're in business, you're using your vehicle in business, especially if you're a sole proprietor, I always, always remind ones, keep a mileage log. And there's an excellent uh, app that ones can use called Mile IQ to track their business mileage. Because there's so many times that ones just miss, miss it because of, uh, or miss deductions because they're not tracking their mileage properly. But now definitely includes you do that. And this year it is vitally important because we have one of those mixed up years. Yes, hopefully, and I got to remind all of my people of this and I'm going to keep doing so is that there's two different numbers depending when you drove your vehicle during the year. So from January 1 to June 30th, 58 and a half, in a cent, 58 and a, half cents a mile. January 1st to June 30th. So miles have to be divided up between the first half of the year. And then you got to have a number for the second half, July 1st to December 31st. A different number for mileage, 62 and a half cents a mile. Now, one of the things we talk about in these tax meetings that I go to is where does this half a cent come from when they make these out? The answer we always have is we don't know, but it's there. So we deal with it and we just move on. So yes, make sure you have a good mileage log and always as you're looking at uh, for business purposes for this year in particular, you got to have two numbers once again for the first half of the year, January through June, and then the second half of the year, July through December. Make sure you got those separated and have it good and accurate there. Now, if you're using one of those mileage apps, that's going to probably make it real easy for you to do so. And yes, while you're keeping a mileage log, it's important also to note that you need third-party verification. So what I would suggest is if you're one of those individuals who likes changing your, your own oil, just for record keeping and tax purposes, I'd recommend having someone else do it uh, a couple times during the year for you. That way, uh, whether you get some type of auto repair or you get a mileage or, or an oil change, they always record the mileage and that becomes a part of your tax records to verify 
through a third party, your mileage. It's something that the IRS will look for. And certainly, as we once again mentioned about ones who are about the IRS is hiring more revenue agents, something to keep in mind as you look for those. Foreign bank accounts, are you a signatory on a foreign bank account? Do you have a foreign bank account? If these apply to you, you probably need to file what's known as an FBAR due by April 15th of each year. This is a foreign bank account reporting. And there's a couple of questions on the Schedule B on the tax return as well that uh, could apply. So if you have anything with foreign bank accounts, I mean, we have that, we discussed that in our engagement letter here about foreign bank accounts that uh, our clients are disclosing those to us so that the proper forms can be filed. And if they don't disclose them, well, once again, the penalties for failure to disclose those foreign bank accounts, those can be pretty severe. So keep in mind that if you do have a foreign bank account, make sure you disclose it on the tax. It's just a disclosure. It's not really uh, doing much else, but you do need to disclose it. If you're an heir of an IRA or you have uh, received an IRA as a beneficiary, some quick points to keep in mind there. Distributions, how are they taken? Well, that depends on the age of the decadent, the person that died. And it depends if they're getting a required minimum distribution. So there's just some quick clarifications I'm going to give on this because there's been some confusion out there, uh, some misinformation. So th if the person that left you the, uh, the IRA, if they are over 72 and you're an eligible designated beneficiary, you must take uh, the RMD every year if they were already taking the required minimum distributions. But then you got to make sure you take out the balance by the end of the 10th year. So that's if they're over 72 and already taking distributions. If they're under 72, uh, you as the eligible designated beneficiary can wait until the end of the 10th year actually to take out the entire balance. So you don't have to take the payments over the 10-year period, but you can wait till later on. As to which of these in this situation is better to do, wait or take it all, depends on the circumstances of the individual, of the eligible beneficiary. Because once again, you got to think about how much is that going to affect tax, my tax over the 10-year period, or how's it going to affect my tax in year 10? Yeah, we don't know. But it's something thinner and something that you need to talk to a tax professional about just so you can make the best decision as to whether you should take the taxes or take out the distributions uh, through, through the 10-year period. Now, I mentioned a few times the term eligible beneficiary, eligible designated beneficiary. Now, there's some that this eligible designated beneficiary does not include. Okay, notice this beneficiary does not include the surviving spouse, a disabled or chronically ill beneficiary, and does not include someone that is uh, no more than 10 years younger. So basically, if they're, uh, if you have a six, uh, a 75-year-old and their beneficiary is someone who is uh, 66, then that individual is not an eligible designated beneficiary. So just keep that in mind there. Other items to keep in mind as we go through this year, finish up this year. You can still 
actually start and contribute to retirement plans before the end of the year. Now, especially if you're a small business person, you can contribute to a 401k, a SEP IRA, or a traditional IRA before December 31st. You can open up and do that before December 31st. It's it's a really a great area to do if you are self-employed and looking for at least some donate some uh, way to help save on some taxes. Now, it's not going to be a big it's not going to help you on self-employment tax uh, for you personally, but it will help you on regular income tax. But it is something to consider and to think about and look at. Now, also, a benefit of contributing to these is that you may qualify for the savers credit. It may bring down your adjusted gross income so you can qualify for the savers credit. So, uh, But you can do that on a, you can contribute more than 2000 to these, but you get the savers credit for up to $2,000 of these. So keep that once again in mind. Now, I'm going to put out some warnings here real quick for you in regards to this. Two warnings I put out for individuals that's been out here. One is that I do not recommend you to have gold or silver in your IRA. Now, let me step back a little bit, though. Make sure that this gold or silver is uh, not in your possession. If it is invested in this, there are some schemes out there. This has gone through tax court and has been proved you don't do this, is that there are some websites that can promote that you can have a self-directed IRA and you can take possession of it through an LLC that you own. No, don't do that. And why not? Sounds like a good idea. Well, a person tried this self-directed IRA, had their LLC set up, the uh, and had took physical possession of the gold for their IRA. Now, if you want to have it in an IRA, that's up to you, but make sure you don't have physical possession of it. That's the best way to keep it as a very clean, good transaction there. This individual who went to tax court took physical possession of the gold through an LLC that he ordered and try to use this information from this uh, self-directed IRA website saying, you can do this. Tax court said, no, you can't. What happened is that when that individual took physical possession of that gold, it was considered a taxable distribution up to the cost of the coins. Lesson if you're going to have gold or silver in your IRA, do not take possession of it. Keep it with a custodian or whoever does it. Because there's companies out there that do it and, and will put gold and silver in your IRA, silver ingle coins or whatever, however they do it. Let them keep possession of it. Keep it a good, clean transaction and don't, uh, don't do it. Uh, or if you're going to invest in gold and silver, maybe invest in uh, mutual funds that do gold and silver instead of actually having the bullion. It just it just really depends what you want to do. Those are the possibilities there, but just the tax implications of just don't take possession of it. Another area, real quick and to touch on here, this is a more of a software suggestion, is that if you've been using Kaspersky uh, security software on your uh, computer, interesting thought here is that the FCC 
has labeled this as an unacceptable risk to national security. So if you've been using this, get rid of it and get another type of security software um, that you can use. Uh, one that like I use is called Bitdefender. So it just really depends on once again, what you want to use, but certainly recommend that you uh, make a change there so that you can keep your personal information as your personal information and keep your tax information safe as well. So yes, much that we have considered today uh, through this as we look forward to 2022. So just some areas to be thinking about and looking at as now's the time as any to start preparing for your 2022 tax return because uh, January is going to be here before we know it. And if you haven't done proper planning, if you haven't stopped to talk to your tax professional before the end of the year, let's get some of this done. Let's get some of this figured so that you can avoid any unnecessary tax surprises come 2023 when you're preparing the 2022 tax return, which is what the services here we do provide with year-round planning, uh, year-round approach, help you to set goals, uh, virtual tax preparation, which is really great. Uh, don't even have to come to the office, upload to the secure portal, electronic signature. All of that you can reach here with uh, Marcelino Dodge here at Cash Tracks Financial. We have a excellent blog that you can also view and take a look at our website, cashtracksfinancial.com. Give me a call. It's 844-394-4287. Or the email, of course, is success at cashtracksfinancial.com. And as you visit the website, once again, you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter and our free weekly tax tip so that you can keep up with the most accurate information on taxes. And then, of course, be able to uh, save, save, save. So we're truly grateful for you listening today to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week. Each year, you file taxes, save money, spend money, and run your business. You try to educate yourself and manage as much as you can on your own. But no matter how hard you search, trying to find the solutions right for you can lead to frustration and burnout. The traditional tax filing and bookkeeping approach no longer works. In a perfect world, the tax professional would work with you throughout the year so you have more time and energy to do the things you love. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial believes you should focus on your job and have a partner to support you to take care of everything else. That is why we developed our personal success and business success bundles. Our clients achieve better results because we focus on more than just tax and bookkeeping stuff. We start with a no-cost mutual exploration meeting to determine if our success bundles are right for you. To schedule your free mutual exploration session, call 844-394-4287, email success at cashtracksfinancial.com or visit cashtracksfinancial.com.